Happy fucking New Year, Doug. <laughs> Happy end of 2020, Karen, and all of our listeners. We made it. I don't know it's what we're making over. it into, but we're making it out of one year. I know. It's almost over. I don't know what 2021 is going to Probably a whole lot of the same. It's I think it's going to be a lot of the same, yeah. But, um, yeah. But, but, yeah, we're rolling out of this year for finally. Finally. So, yeah, here we are, guys, closing out 2020 with a recap of Season 5, Episode 23, I believe, Screams from a Marriage. And I have to say, we are closing out 2020 in top form on Melrose Place. I am enjoying these episodes. Yeah, I mean, this is where all of that sluggish storytelling for two-thirds of a season pretty much pays off. Yeah, because now things are going at a lovely, very nice clip, very nice clip. And we have some really great resolutions to some storyline. I mean, not resolutions, but I should say just forward progress in some storylines that are making it very exciting. For sure. And we also have um, some really little seen cast members, both for the better and for the worse, I think. Like Matt. Oh, how about like Jake? Or, oh, yeah, there was no Jake or Allison this episode, was there? We have Allison in a teeny tiny moment, right. or two moments. Um, and we have Sid in one scene, and we have no Jake. And quite frankly, Matt is back, and I think he has more screen time than Amanda. Sounds about right. So um, we have... We essentially only had two real, well, two and a bit story, like two and a half, because even though Matt had a storyline finally, it wasn't a full storyline. Correct. Um, In in this, too, I would say I wish that they did this more often. Where they gave him some storyline? Yeah. (laughs) No, where they didn't try and do all of the storylines. Oh, I agree. I agree. Whereas, it, it, where, yes, where if you don't have have something to give to everyone, that's fine. Don't right. give them crap. Right. Don't give us their crap. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, if it meant like maybe you do a scene at Shooters, so Jake's behind the bar. So you're at least seeing them and they get their episode screen time. It. Yeah, I agree. I also think that's important because that's like connective tissue just across the board. So we still know that these characters know who each other is. Right, right. But but to actually give them storylines just for the sake of having them in the episode, you know, after going through an episode like this where there are lit- like really two and a half storylines to follow, this was just so much more enjoyable. Yeah, if you like the storylines that we get. But right now, I think we kind of do. Yeah, but even then, I kind of feel like we were really able to dig in to these storylines this week. Yeah, because for once they weren't spacing stuff out for like five, six weeks. Right. And they weren't rushing through and they weren't, you know what I mean? Like, they, like kind of like rushing through to some sort of episode resolution. Um, they It kind of gave the stories a little bit of time to kind of progress and do their thing. Yeah. So anyway, where should we where start? Where do we start? Should we do Matt? Yeah, let's get Matt out of the way because it, it is very it, his his storyline is small. Yeah, um, I'll well I'll say this: this is basically Matt's storyline through the end of the season. What what we're what we're starting right now. Um, I'm not sure that we'll continue to move in ways you might predict. So I'm just sort of going to sort of sit back and hear you react to it. But here's the deal, guys: Matt has a brother, and we didn't know this, and we never saw him. But he doesn't have that brother anymore because we also learned he's dead. <laughs> All right. Alrighty. Question, question, arm raised, arm yeah, raised, question. Yeah. Okay. So in the beginning, when Matt was sort of had that st- t- tense relationship with his dad, yeah. what, because he was, because he's gay, wasn't part of that conversation about you're the only son we have? Yeah, I think we even had that last season when Matt was making amends with his dad right before he died. Right, wasn't it? You're you're the only son I've got. Well, now we have another one, but yeah, but we had easy come, yeah. easy go in the Fielding yeah. family. <laughs> and he died of all things a plane crash. 
So, yeah, it's it's very vague because what happens is Matt is in the hospital and his mother comes to give him news in person and she's crying. And all she really gets is that I guess the brother was in a small plane that crashed. And Matt's response is, I just spoke to him last month. Not like I just spoke to him last night. How could this be? I just spoke to him last month. I mean, like if you told me a plumber died and I was like, I just spoke to my plumber last month. I mean, like anything can happen in a month. (laughs) Yeah. And there was no real, I mean, you know, and I love Doug Savant. He's a wonderful actor, but in the, at this moment, there was no real reaction here. There was no, it was like, do you and your brother hate each other? Cause that's kind of what I, the vibe I was getting. Like he was kind of like, and now well, the brother yeah. sounds like they make him out to be a hot-headed asshole. Kind of good for nothing. Which, again, if he did exist all this time, and Matt was still considered the black sheep, really? Because there was a D-bag brother in the mix. But, um, you know, they've it's, rewritten history, so it doesn't Where work. did this brother live? Like, there's so many questions that I don't think we're ever going to get answers to, because, okay... Not only do we find out that there is this brother who is now dead, but this brother has a daughter, a child, who is now... Matt has a niece. Matt has a niece, who is now flying across country for the funeral that is happening tomorrow in Los Angeles. So, where did this plane crash? Where did this guy live? Why is the daughter flying... Like, why was the guy I'm assuming the plane crash was in LA or they're what they shipping the body out. So like, but the daughter's on the plane, but where the hell is the body? Like I was, I'm going to, I'm going to actually say, I think that he lived somewhere on the East coast, which is why the daughter was somewhere on the East coast. And that the small plane crash was somewhere on the East coast, but I don't know what he did. I don't know why he had to be on the plane. I don't know any of that. Well, even that I don't care about. What I do, what I do, sort of feel like was missing was where the plane crashed, and so there was no, there is no. Okay, is there nothing left? So you're burying a, an empty coffin. Like it just seemed like there was something not quite clear about the whole. I mean, look, that what was not clear is that this person never existed until right episode 23 right. screams from a marriage but um but there but there still felt like uh, like they glossed over a lot still oh i mean they certainly they certainly do uh, they don't care no they writers. don't no they, don't. they they really just want to get this teenage niece uh out to la now they also mention and we'll, we'll see a scene on the phone but there is a mother who is the bad brother's ex-wife who is some kind of like good for nothing herself living in Paris right now. Um, she is not at the funeral or coming to the funeral. And She's, she has, we find out, given up all custody of, right. of the daughter, of this daughter. Right. What's, what's her name? I can't remember the kid's Chelsea. name. Chelsea. So, you know, Spidey senses are tingling. I do remember. Remember um, Matt and that child from a couple of seasons ago? The Russian girl? The Russian girl? Yeah. And he almost had a had a little family there, and he kind of was sad that he didn't. Correct. Well, now, now you know, do over for Matt. Yeah, and that's kind of it for the storyline, except for the final scene when they're doing the reading of the will, and Matt is listed as Chelsea's guardian. Right. Which even the grandma is like, <laughs> "Wait, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this must be a, a mistake." Um, so yeah, that's where we leave off, where Matt is going to be taking care of Chelsea, who is a capital letter B brat. She was drinking on the cross-country flight, so Matt had to talk the cops out of not bringing her into the station. Um, like, she's bad news. Sounds like both of the parents were bad news, and the apple didn't fall far from the drunken tree. Right. Right. Um, so what I want to say about Chelsea is the actress who plays her is Katie Wright who had a go of things in the mid-90s as, like, a teen actress, um, especially on a couple failed short-lived soaps. But she is also now Mrs. Hank Azaria. Oh, really? Yeah, they've been married, like, 12, 13, 15 years. Oh, well, good for her. 
which also means she's probably a neighbor of mine because Hank, I call him Hank, uh, lives in our neighborhood. Oh, what? he doesn't live in LA? No, I, um, I imagine he did for a long time. He probably has places in both, but I think they're raising the kids here in New York, and I've seen him in our subway a few times. Oh, well, that's interesting. I don't know where they've been during the quarantine. It's possible if they had an L.A. place, they went there. The COVID um, times. But, but, yeah, technically he is a UWS resident like me, so I guess so is Chelsea's portrayer. Um, and and my fiancé is laughing at something that's not us. Um, <laughs> And the other thing, I, I think I had meant to say this far earlier in the year. Claudette Nevins is the name of the actress who plays Matt's mom. And she also passed away earlier this year. Oh, so not from COVID. This may be one of the last times. I don't think so. I think okay. it was just old age. Um, this is probably one of the last times we will see her on the show. And and she was, uh, you know, a long-lived established actress. So, so we miss you, Claudette. But you really got attached to some of the worst storylines on this show. So for that, I'm sorry, too. Yeah. So, I mean, so essentially that was Matt's storyline. I mean, with the big cliffy for Matt, will he or won't he suddenly have to raise a teenager? Right. In his one-bedroom apartment that everybody has been using as a crash pad for the past several episodes. Yeah, and I mean, in theory, there's a lot you could do with that. Oh, a teen living in Melrose Place with all of this stuff that goes on? Will she get involved? How will she observe it? But I don't really think they're going to carry that ball far. Now, I have another question. Okay. Um, and, okay, so a number of shows on the CW, um, I promise I promise you this will make sense. When, did, mm -hmm. let, me, let me just go back. So a number of shows on the CW, okay, let me just say it, my favorite show, The Originals, um, got you know, shit the bed a couple of years ago, got canceled um, because the executives wanted to make the characters younger. And so they rushed through, they pushed through a storyline that made absolutely no sense where they basically like grew a child from like infant to like teenager in like warp time. And they did a spinoff show with this kid so that they would have like a cast full of teenagers rather than youngish adults. And I almost kind of felt like maybe this was Melrose Place dipping that toe into the younger demographic water, even though they already had one of those shows with 90210. Uh, I mean, it could have been something they had in mind, but I don't think so. But, you know, I mean, it was just because I, knowing you know, which we had talked a little bit about last week, Michael's sister shows up, and I do remember this, um, mm -hmm. bits and bobs of this. And uh, that's actually something that's got to be coming up fairly soon, too. Yes, and so I, so, and and that sister, who I won't say who it is, for those who don't know, wasn't she a teenager or relatively young? No, she was an adult. She was in that generic mid-20s age that can be anything, but okay, all right, past being a kid. All right, because for some reason I remember her also being, you know, maybe not as young as Chelsea, but still relatively young and maybe needing a little extra looking after. Yeah, I mean, I think if that were the case, they would have tried to gradually bring on several younger performers to spin them off together and then okay. add to that cast. Right. I don't know. I never thought about it that way. But I, I think it's really of... just to do what it's yeah. going to do for Matt. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just for a second, it, like, struck me, knowing what was coming up with Michael's storyline, too, sort of struck me as going, well, I wonder if this is their way to try and, like, because let's face it, we're five years on into this series, and our original cast members, the ones that are left, are now getting, are aging. They're getting up there. Right. You know, I mean, not really, but, you know, in, in TV world, they kind of are. You know, they're yeah, getting, I mean, yeah, they're getting old. not really aging, and yet, yet, not just aging, but also, like, they've already put these characters through so much what's left. Right. Time for fresh blood. Which right. is kind of what happens anyway. I just think it was uh, actor-dictated, not story-dictated. Okay. Fair enough. But I don't know. And I've never read anything one way or the other that, that, that brought it up. So, I mean, I think that's more of a... Than the times. 
I think that's more of a now thing, you know, um, less sex in the city would have never gotten made, you know, do you know what I mean? Like they were all probably, you know, thirties or forties, um, yeah. you know, char- the characters in the thirties or forties. Um, but, uh, so I think that youth focus is more of a now thing, but it was just something that sort of struck me and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. But anyway, moving on, moving on. Um, we can talk about Amanda because that's where the episode picks up. Yeah, yeah. So when we left Amanda last, she was um, all in with Craig because she had just found out, she had just seen with her own eyes, um, Peter and Taylor going at it. And sure. so she was, uh, you know, obviously unhappy. She went back to Melrose Place. She basically made the biggest mistake of her life and and gave you know gave Craig everything he wished for and spent the night with him well now it's the morning after and uh our cold in our cold open and Amanda looks like she regrets her behavior yeah there's so much self-loathing here but I'm not even sure it's the morning after it I think it still might be the middle of the night oh sorry okay she's not even gonna stay over oh right 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 herself because Craig gets up after they're done to get some champagne to celebrate, um, like a toast to them. And as he's in the kitchen, Amanda's already putting her clothes on. She's looked at herself in the mirror, hates herself. Um, it's not a big Amanda episode, yet what we do get of her is a rare kind of introspection. Yes. And serious self-loathing there. Yeah, she yeah. is not happy with herself. She's not happy with Peter. She's just not happy. Right. So she goes back to her apartment and tells Craig it'd be in his interest to be discreet. And he goes, yeah, I'll be discreet. But then as she walks across the courtyard, he walks out with the champagne in his bathrobe screaming at her. Can't be too late because Billy and Sam are both coming back to the apartment complex together and see the whole thing. So, so much for discretion, because at least two of people that were involved with them know. Um but it's funny because as Amanda goes back to her place and slams the door, uh, Sam's like, wow, Amanda slept with Craig. And Billy's like, nah, there's no way she would do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I loved how Sam was like, oh, man, Amanda did it. And Billy's like, no, she'd never stoop so low. Exactly. Exactly. <gasps> yeah, she did. <laughs> Stooping, indeed. A stoop. Um, and then Amanda gets back into her apartment and sees a photo of Peter and smashes it to the ground. Yeah, yeah, poor Amanda. And then, then I assume it's the next day at D&D, uh, Billy comes into Amanda's office basically to warn her about getting involved with Craig because he firmly believes Craig to be a snake. Um, but kind of like also to get dirt and confirm, like, did you do the deed with Craig? And Amanda's basically like, yeah, and then I left. He's like, oh, kind of like you did with me. And, and... <laughs> She's like, I knew you could take care of yourself. She's like, but I'm not always nice, am I? And Billy's like, mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I kind of like that moment. That sort of, I you loved know, it. I loved it because it, it tapped into multiple elements of their history and also allowed them to, like, to openly comment on her character. Um, and again, I think Heather Locklear, this is her best season on the show. I would agree with that. She's really um, she's She's playing the character better now than she ever did before. Um, well, I also think they've finally given her a complexity. Well, I don't know if I consider it complex as much as it's just they're, they're writing it with a different angle. Yeah. And I like the angle better. I think she nails this new direction better. Yeah. Like, I, it was fun to play the bitchy boss um, or the annoyed adult. But this this is, I don't want to say darker, but it is a different side to what Amanda has been going through. And she's walking through it, like, on cloud nine. I think she's doing a great job. I would agree. Um. And there's one other uh, scene in the episode that also takes place at D&D um, where they're talking about there's a new perfume account that they're going to give it to Allison, but Craig like goes crazy for it because he thinks it can show the romantic in him. So he's like openly pitching to win this account or 
handle the account so that he can basically like talk Amanda into giving him more of a chance because he's such a romantic. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, he's not really pitching the account so much as he's pitching himself to Amanda. Right. Which backfires. As far as you're going to get. If Amanda's still leaving your house in the middle of the night, this is kind of it, Craig. Yeah. I mean, I was like, stupid idea, pal. Just no, no. And Amanda basically like walked out and she's like, I don't even care about this account. Yeah. She (laughs) she basically leaves Allison and Craig in the room together and she's like, so I guess we better talk about perfume. I know. And Allison was so funny. She's like, so. Let's talk about the account now. And that's you know. what I thought. It's like we still don't really know what's going on with her and Jake or her and the baby, but the life is still going on with her. And so we see her in the episode. We're happy to see her and we can move on. It's great. Perfect. But we that's all we get of her. Yes, because where are we going next? No Jake. No Jake. Where are we going next? Um oh well I think we should really go head on into Taylor Peter, Kyle. Yeah. So, guys, this is the meat of the episode. This, this is, is the, the heart of the episode. For. It is what we've been waiting for. Yep, and we pretty much pick up exactly where we left off last week here, too. Yeah, now, where, where were we? How did this start now? I can't remember. So, Taylor comes to the... Taylor has just been hit. She, Amanda punched her right. at the end of the last episode. Right. So, Taylor, bruise on cheek, comes to Peter's house at the marina to warn him. Right, that Amanda knows. And Peter is like, of course she knows. I know she knows. I watched her watch us. Yeah, she's like, she saw us having sex. And she's like, wait a minute. You knew she saw us? And you didn't tell me? He's like, yeah, I didn't really see the point. (laughs) And And then Taylor has this realization where she's like, you mean, it's not really about me at all. It's still about Amanda. And... Yeah, I mean, Peter is continuing this kind of, like, dark transition where he's just selfish and, again, more self-loathing and not really into Taylor. Like, into having an affair more than caring about Taylor. Right. Um, And because I don't really like Taylor right here, uh, I don't feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even like Peter. I just don't. I just am like, yeah, it's fine by me. Right. Um, and then I think we go to Kyle's. Which we spend a lot of time at Kyle's. Between the restaurant and the, the apartment. Yes, that um, is true. There's a lot of Kyle on this episode. So that chef that we saw accidentally like that kitchen fire last week is back. To say that Nick had called and said he needs his last paycheck. And he gives the name of whatever hotel. He is staying in. Um, and then the chef also tells him about Amanda having clocked Taylor, which is different information than what Taylor had told Kyle. So now, ever so slightly, the wheels are turning. He's, like, beginning to doubt things. Um, also beginning to doubt her story about going to the gym at 6.30 every morning. Uh, so he questions her at the apartment later that night. Um I think he says he went to the gym and they said she's not even a member. She's never been there. So, I mean, like, he's definitely, like, he's putting two and two and two together and getting six. Um, And she keeps bluffing. She keeps finding lies to come back at him with. Um, And then he says it's enough and he throws a pot of silverware or something, like, in the kitchen. Um, There's a lot of Kyle being violent in this episode. Yes. Kylant. Nah, there's not really good. Vile doesn't work either. So violent. yeah, and there there was a lot of Kyle being being violent, and also um his buddy there, Nick, being kind of being violent. And I got very frustrated by the well, we're Marines after all excuse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, they definitely make it sound like well, because there's stuff that you don't know that we saw when we were in Desert Storm. This is part of who we are. Yeah, we're and it, yeah no. And they don't dig no, no, no. any deeper than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, ew, ew. I thought that was kind of in poor taste, but anyway. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on. So then Kyle does go to Nick's hotel, which when they gave the name of the hotel, when the chef 
said whatever it was. I didn't rewind to hear it, but I got the feeling that it was like a nice hotel. This is a very rundown motel where Nick is staying, which is Oh, I totally didn't. Sense. I think it was something like the Continental and I was like, "Ugh, whenever they're called that, they're really shitty hotels." Oh, that's funny. Oh, maybe I heard that and I was like, "Oh, that sounds so nice." Yeah, no. <laughs> no, he said the name and I was like, "Oh, oh, it's got to be a flea bag hotel." <laughs> so Kyle shows up. Um and Nick finally is like, you know what? I tried to help you, Kyle. You're on your own. And he plays that recording that he had also played for Craig the episode before of um, Taylor and Peter, like, uh, basically about to start having phone sex. Yes. Um, As Kyle refers to it, uh, the 1-900. Yeah, he's like, sounding like you're on a 1-900 line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's not wrong. No, so then he takes the phone, or he takes the recorder, and tosses it into the wall. And he punches Nick, um, and and then walks out and runs out. I think, but now he really knows. Yeah, he's had his suspicions, and they've pretty much been as confirmed as they can be. Right. Um, and then he and he didn't. Come, he doesn't come home that night. And then the next morning, he goes into the restaurant. And he and Taylor go at it again because now he has more information to confront her with. Um, and at first she denies it again. And then when there's no real getting out of it, she's like, well, you had an affair too. And he's like, yes, but it was accidental and short-lived. And I'm like, well, accidental is probably not the word I'd use, but I get it. This is definitely more premeditated and longer-lived already. Um, so yeah, and he throws her out of the restaurant. Um, now, again, they're kind of forgetting that Kyle had a second affair with Sid just a couple months ago, which was also accidental and short-lived, but nonetheless, he did it, but it's fine, because he wasn't scheming the way Taylor was. Right, and Taylor um, doesn't know. And Taylor does not know. I don't think anyone ever finds out. Anyway, Taylor goes to the hospital, because she tells Peter that now he knows and after she leaves, uh, Nick comes into her car and blackmails her, saying that he needs five grand. Now, I'm like, what leverage does he really have? That's but, what I was wondering, too. But they sort of answer the question by saying, apparently, if she doesn't give him the money, he's just going to kill her or beat her up severely. Oh, he's going to um, kill Peter even better. Well, I think he was going to go after her. But he well, said I think Peter. He going to go after both of them. Peter. Okay, well, whatever. Well maybe, well, maybe maybe you're right. He does go after Peter. She happens to get in the way. Yes. Um, I think she also just, tells Kyle. Yes, yeah, she tells Kyle. She goes back to Kyle threat. again yeah. because she finds out that Kyle has emptied out the bank account. She goes, that's money, money, too. And he's basically like, fuck off. She goes, I need the money because Nick now says, and that's what I thought she said, he's going to kill me. Not Peter, but maybe she does say he's going to kill Peter. Yeah, no, um, she was going to. He was going to kill Peter, and that's why Kyle was like, "And." And then Kyle, and then Kyle destroys some more stuff. He like upends a bookcase or a bookshelf uh, on his own wall. Um, more damage done, and um, she leaves. And we, the next thing we see is Peter in the hospital. On his way out, gets in the elevator, and Nick gets in the elevator with him. Um, and follows Peter to his car. And I guess this is probably my favorite moment of the episode, the sight of Nick putting on brass knuckles. <laughs> I was like, that is so 80s, 90s. Did anyone ever do that in real life? I mean, I knew some people that had brass knuckles. Did I they get into fights a lot? Were they violent people? I mean, I don't recall ever seeing them get it. I certainly never saw them using the brass knuckles, but they did have them. It was kind of like nunchucks. I mean, was it for self-defense? No, they, people just had them because they could. That's what it looked like in the movies. So, yeah. And, like, throwing they always just stars? Had to them. Didn't you have yeah. friends that had the throwing stars and they would just, like, sit in their bedrooms and throw them against the wall? No, I only ever saw that on TV. Oh, yeah, no, no. Maybe I had the wrong kind of friends. I, I guess mean, I was hanging out, out with a rougher crowd. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I had, I, I mean, like, you know, switchblades at school. You didn't have that? Um, uh, no, I definitely saw that more. Okay. 
Because I know what a friend of mine gave me a switchblade one day because he like brought a switchblade in because he like some kids were like giving him a hard time. And he like made me carry it in my purse the whole day. And it was really fucking heavy. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like, yeah, all of my friends thrived uh, with emotional warfare. Not oh. switchblades and nunchucks. <laughs> we had very different upbringings. I guess so. Yeah. We went to very different schools at the very least. <laughs> this was before I went to the all girls. No, and this was at the all girls private school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be fucking hilarious? Anyway. Any who's it? Yes. By Peter's car. Um, and, and so Nick dons the brass knuckles and starts beating the shit out of Peter. And he, he clocks him in the face and gets Peter to the ground and just keeps going to town. And that's when Taylor comes by in the parking lot and she gets out of her car. And then he flings her over a car and starts kicking Peter until Kyle comes. Um, and it's Kyle who pulls Nick off Peter and, and tells him that he better leave town, that this is it. Yeah, so this whole thing with Kyle showing and up Nick. and Nick... And they do have a scene at the very end um, where... Yeah, we'll get to that next, yeah. Nick is leaving on a bus and Kyle shows up and bought him a ticket and gives him money. And it was just really weird, a really weird dynamic because he had just, like, punched Nick out in the hotel and was basically like, you ruined my life, man. Like, he was kind of like... You know, even though Nick was the messenger, Kyle did kind of blame him because Kyle really instigated. And also, Kyle didn't come right out and just tell him you what mean, was going on. Like, that he knew this and this thing was happening. Yeah, Kyle's thing is, if you knew this was happening, why didn't you tell me? Yeah, and so yeah. it looked like the friendship was just, like, done. And then for him to, like, show up, and he certainly wasn't showing up to save Peter's bacon or Taylor's. I think it was more so that Nick wouldn't, like... Murder them. Murder, like be like yeah. get a murder rap, and then like seize him off to I don't know where he was going, Phoenix or whatever, Tucson or something. Yeah, yeah, or Tucson or something, and then, and to sort of see him off, and even though he says no, this is it, you can't come back. You know, it still felt like I was not. It was not something that I was expecting, given the his last interaction with Nick. That one almost made sense for me because there's like a bro code, and. And this is something that I saw with some of my guy friends that I went to school with when they would fight over girls or like even in long-term relationships and stuff like that. Like they come to blows, they get violent, they yell, but a day or two later they would come to Jesus and they'd be like, all right, I got your back. And this is sort of a variation on that because they got to get Nick out of town because he's not in the main credits. Um, that his relationship with Kyle is not... Ruined forever, but Kyle does tell Nick, you're never coming back to L.A. goodbye. So Kyle's like, I'm doing this for you. I'm helping you. Go start your next chapter. I don't need to see you again. Okay. I defer to you on this. I don't understand. I don't know the bro code. I'm well, no bro. I mean, I mean, quite frankly, if these were my bros, I'd find new bros, but... Uh, <laughs> But I mean, like that's as most that's as much sense as I can make of it. But yeah, and these also, are not the bros you want. These are the bros you are forced to have. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I get that these two share a history and an intimacy as as like friends who've been in the trenches together. Literally. Exactly. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Um. But. But they really leaned in hard. To their friendship and it's like it was at the it was to the detriment of screen time and story time for our other characters now i know we have a scene coming up that's pretty much all that's left with kyle and taylor and it was my favorite scene of the whole episode and but it makes me what i wish now looking back on however many episodes nick has been five seven whatever it is too many but yes okay so i'm happy that finally the secret about uh, Taylor and Peter is out. Yes. I'm happy that Kyle has kicked Taylor to the curb. Yes. I'm happy that all that has finally erupted. What I wish is that it could have happened because of the involvement of one of our other characters on the campus. Sid? Particularly Sid. She's like, she would have been prime suspect. Like, how easy would it have been for Sid, who has 
proximity to both knowing everything in the restaurant and being next door to them and having a thing for Kyle, how how easy and how exciting could it have been for her to get involved in a storyline? Especially what? since her thing with Carter ended. You couldn't even right. have the Sid and Carter stuff end. And Sid is now into Kyle again. And she inserts herself right back into Kyle's life too much. It makes Taylor uncomfortable, but it allows her to see what's going on. And and then it could it wouldn't have just been okay. The the Taylor Peter Kyle stuff comes to a head, but and we've used another one of our aces in the hole on the canvas instead yeah. of all this weird violent Nick stuff, which we have to wonder what exactly the history is. We get more sad. You're absolutely right, and it would have made total sense because she was hanging out at the bar with with Nick. She would have found something out. Um, even if we still had to deal with Nick, like he's, I guess, you know, she doesn't have any money or, I mean, although I was going to say like the whole thing with Craig, like, did we really need to have Craig involved if it was just going to be, I don't know. It just felt like you're absolutely right. There, there could have been more of Sid being a part of the reveal um, yeah. and playing a part in that. Yeah, I think I easily, I think there could have been a way to integrate all of that. It's not like Sid has another story going on right now. Even if she just joined in the last two episodes to kind of help move this along, she yeah. could have done it. Instead of get you know getting the sad pizza last week, or or which I did like, but yeah, of course, yeah, uh, <laughs> I did or like it too. But... <laughs> she starts visiting Carter when he is at Kyle's and starts nosing around and figures it out, and her figuring it out and getting involved pisses Carter off, and that's why Carter says. You don't really love me. You're obsessed with Kyle, and I'm going to leave you now. And right. then, and then gives Sid even more reason to really go after Taylor and Kyle and spin it in any way. I think right. you could have done this so easily. Right. Right. Other thing is, and I could be wrong. When we get to season six, I feel like Nick returns. Ugh. But he wasn't supposed to. He was supposed to stay out of L.A. Yeah, and I don't think they bring that line up. But yeah. Uh I could be totally wrong. I just have this feeling that that Nick comes back in season six. We're not done yet. Well, we do have, though, this one final scene. Yeah, and since it's your favorite, take it away. We have this one final scene with Sid. So um, Kyle is basically now moving Taylor's stuff outside of the door. And um, Sid comes out of her apartment for the first time since the pizza incident. And looks up the stairs and is like, hey, are you moving? And Kyle is like, no, Taylor is. And that's when Sid starts climbing the stairs. Yeah. Like, oh, tell me more. And then before she and Kyle can really get into it, Taylor shows up and sort of like pushes her almost down the stairs to um, to go up the stairs and have like this little like, you know, show sh final showdown with Kyle. Yeah. It's, it's way more than they typically pack into one episode um, in terms of, you know, like moving the story along. Typically, if you're going to have a fight, you have one fight per episode. They had like four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had a bunch. And they were all final, you know? So, I mean, basically, you know, Taylor leaves in a huff. I think she, she wanted, um, you know, Kyle to sort of give their marriage a chance. And he was like, forget it. And basically, like, pushed her out the door and slammed it. Yeah, and she kind of huffs down the stairs and with two suitcases with two suitcases that don't look heavy at all. And <laughs> as she's leaving, you know, she's leaving and Amanda's coming in and they have words. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, nice um, mini face off. Yeah, they have like this mini face off. And Taylor basically is like, well, I'm moving in with Peter. And Amanda, this was really actually very cutting. And she was like, well, yeah. you won. You destroyed two marriages in the process, but who's counting? And it was yeah. really great. It was a nice zing. It was a nice zing. Yeah, it was like the perfect zing, which is, you're not seeing me get mad. I'm just going to tell you what, what a fucking bitch you are. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, you yeah. you ruined two marriages in the process. And, and, you know, it was sort of, and in Rinna's defense, she kind of stood there for a minute and you could, and processed it. Right. She does yeah, before she walked off. And then um, Amanda went into her apartment and basically called the divorce lawyer. Yeah, that, that's that. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Peter and Amanda are getting a divorce. Is this yeah. it for them? Are they done? There's more. Okay. There's more. But I do think for the rest of the season, there is some some fun stuff to watch, especially as now Taylor and Peter really have no reason to not be together. So how is that going to play out? Because Peter is still acting, you know. Like he doesn't want to be around her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so now our final storyline um, with Michael, Megan, and Kimberly and the pimp. Josh the pimp. Josh the pimp. Still a bit of a head scratcher here, but I'm just going to go with it because I think we're getting into some good places with maybe Megan's character or interesting places. Yeah, I agree. I like okay. this episode a bit more than the way it has been amping up for the last okay. few weeks. All right. So, um, where are we? Well, so last week is when they were at that big hospital event and Josh blackmailed her. Right. Saying the, he had a video of one of her old um, sex tapes. Right. So he was willing to play that at the hospital event and destroy Michael's career and ruin him unless she would submit to him. So, he was, I mean, it must have worked. She said yes. So they didn't, he didn't chance them playing the wrong video at Michael's thing. So here she is at Josh's hotel. Um, she goes in, she, t- she tips a maid so that the maid can open the door to Josh's hotel room, and she starts snooping around looking for the tapes so to see if she can find them. Of course, Josh is in the room, so he finds her pretty quick and stops her from looking. Um, but he comes on real kind and says, like, no, we're going to double-cross Kimberly, and we're going to pretend that you've gone back to turning pro. So Kimberly thinks that that's what's happening and continues to keep me out on bail. Right? Right, that's that's, that's, that's the gist, yeah. Um, and then Megan goes to Kimberly and confronts her about the truth about Josh, about how Kimberly sprung him free. Um, and then we get um, some of Kimberly, uh, excuse me, of Megan's background. Which she is basically, yeah, that Josh, I guess she had a troubled childhood. Josh, she met Josh when she was 15, and it sounds like that's when she started hooking. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded like he, whatever her situation was, he took her in, was her first lover, and pretty quickly tur- he turned her into a prostitute. And that, that's what we get from what she says, right? Yeah, and that's a sad, sad story. It is a sad story. I'm not really sure I buy it. I mean, not like that she's lying, but but like... That's a lot to unpack for a person, and Megan seems to be so well-adjusted that I'm kind of like, well, it wouldn't happen like that in real life, but okay, fine. Well, and um, also, it is such a cliche story. Yes. You know, it really it really is, like, that sort of, like, cliche. But anyway, and nowadays they call that child trafficking. But anyway. <laughs> back then. That's, that's, that's what it is. Back then it was just a fact of life. Um <laughs> Holy shit. It's so funny so to Kimberly's... watch this now and sort of go, ooh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. There's so much people would have a problem with it. I know. It gets so cringy at times. <laughs> anyway. And Kimberly's response is, well, why don't I pay you to leave town? <laughs> I know. Kimberly uh, is just paying. Where is Kimberly getting all this I money? I guess that Radio people. Shrink dig- gig paid really well because she's not working. Yeah. No, no, and I mean, she gave up her, um, whatchamacallit, her medical license, right? Yeah, and she's no longer receptioning at Michael's, uh, Michael and no. Peter's uh, medical office, so like, she's just hanging out at the beach house. Yeah, she must have saved really good. Living off the really well. Anyway. So, so then Kimberly grows a conscience again, and she goes back to Josh. Tells him that the deal is off because, again, she cares about Megan. She wants Megan to leave Michael. She does not want to hurt Megan. And he goes, hey, listen, it's too late. So so then we have a scene where Megan brings Michael lunch at the doctor's office. Um, 
and I don't know why I fixate on these things. I love it when people bring food on shows. I loved it when Amanda brought the bagels to Peter. I love it when they pretend to write for how people eat. So the prop food is Megan has basically just put a bunch of fruit in a styrofoam <laughs> container and been like, here's your big lunch, Michael. Yeah, it was great. It was like fruit. Like she opened up a can of fruit cocktail and dumped it in. Yeah. It was perfect. Um, so Megan tells uh, Michael that she has heard about Matt's brother passing away and is going to go to the funeral in the wake. But what she's really doing... Now, Michael's too busy. He can't go. Or so, so he says and thinks at the time. What Megan is really doing is using it as an excuse because this is when she is actually going to go to a hotel lobby um, and do this double cross thing where they're going to make Megan think she's back in the game, but she's not. So that's exactly where she is. Josh points Megan in the direction of a fake John who is going to take or give her the money and he's going to go with her, but she's not actually required to go up to a hotel room and perform any services. It's just there for Kimberly to see. And Kimberly is there hiding behind a plant. And she sees Megan approach the guy. And then Kimberly runs to Megan as Megan is about to begin the transaction, but it's too late because Megan has already taken the money um, and it turns out it's an undercover cop. So now Megan is getting arrested. Yes. And Josh, it turns out, was double-crossing Megan. And so, you know, shock of shocks. Right. Everybody's um, getting double-crossed here. The most important thing I want to bring up about this scene is, and I don't know how sometimes I'm able to do this, but I took one look at that guy and I was able to place the undercover cop. The Who is he? Did you watch The Office? No. Okay. So there was a guy, it was a recurring character that later on became more uh, fundamental. Michael Wallace was his name. David Wallace was his name. And he was the guy who ran Dunder Mifflin, the company that, like, um, the Steve Carell's character reported into. Mm. So they used him a bunch of times. So I didn't realize he acted when he was younger. Andy Buckley is the actor's name. Um, because I read that they brought him in to play this role in The Office because he was actually a financial advisor. And because he had a corporate background, they thought he would, like, wear that role very well. So I guess he did the acting thing for a bit. Didn't work out, because all he got was roles like this on Melrose, I guess. And then went and worked in corporate finance for a bit. Oh, and my God, that's really kind office. of fun. But now he's in, like, he has, like, I think a decent acting career. He shows up in different shows. He's been in a bunch of movies. So, like, he's doing okay. Oh, my God, that's really kind of fun. Yeah, so that's Andy Buckley. Um, and so then Michael comes to see Megan in jail, um, and, and he's over her. Like, he can't believe that <laughs> this woman who he met is really a prostitute, and she's going back to turning tricks, and this is a mistake. So he says he has arranged her bail, she can, she'll be let out on her own in a little bit, but he's not taking her back home with him. Which is like... <sighs> Oh, aren't we all high and mighty, Michael? Yeah. We who've never made a mistake. Yeah. Can you believe it's practically a full year, TV-wise, since he and Peter were at that uh, pageant in Santa Barbara, wherever it was? Oh, my gosh. I, for I completely forgot about the pageant. That, like the Lonnie Anderson, Denise Richards stuff. That stuff happened almost a year ago, which means it happened 500 episodes ago in Melrose now. I completely forgot. That's how much has happened, that. yeah. My God. That's wild. Um, and then does, I think, oh, right. Kimberly comes to see Michael again. Who, and he continues playing, like, his upper hand. Um, and he tells uh, Kimberly that he doesn't really trust either of them and walks off. Which, for anyone else, would be kind of a healthy response. But for Michael, it's just so hypocritical. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know probably not going to be you know the end of things with him and these ladies uh, and then we our final scene it's not an Amanda scene and it's not a Taylor scene it's a Megan scene uh, she has been let out of jail what? yeah that's right that's right um, and it's her walking alone 
on the streets with nowhere to go. It's raining. Um, and Josh the Pimp pulls up in his car and starts following her. She he pulls he gets out of the car while they're alone in an alley and and he says that she belongs th- with this life with him and not with Michael. And she gets him to leave her alone and sort of walks off on her own in, with a slow-mo fade to black. Like, this is really Megan's episode. Um, they I was really so worried about everything they can to make her um, like our new protagonist, really. Yeah. I was really worried about her because she was walking down the dark alleyway. Well, she was alone with this guy. Like, it looked like, yeah, it looked like something bad was going to happen to her. Yeah, it was very, it was very eerie. I was so worried. Anyway. Well, Megan lives another day. Yes. And Kimberly, who was dying at one point, also lives another day. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, there we go. We get Matt back, but it's not very exciting. We get a little bit of Sid, and it's not enough. We get a little bit of Allison, and it's just right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. and in truth, we get just a little bit of Sam, and that's also just right. Yeah. Not too much of Billy either. We, this yeah, was a great it was a episode. really well portioned episode. Yeah, this was a great episode. I was thrilled. Yeah. So we have, I think, nine episodes left, which yeah, not a lot is a lot. But I do think that they are kicking the wheels uh, into full gear for yeah. to see to see this season out. But but yeah, I really wish that. It's like a less is more thing. Give the characters you don't have stuff going on for just a little bit of screen time and it's enough. Yeah, it was that kind of when I, mean, I was like looking ahead at my Hulu, at, at you know, my Hulu list and I was like, wow, we really don't have a lot of episodes left to this this season. Yeah, I mean, and think we've I mean, we've had Jane come and go. Like we've been through so much. You know, and it's not at all like season four that was just like endless. No, it's a yeah. I yeah prefer it this way, where even though we had to charge through some stuff in the middle, I like I like them preparing for the dismount. Yes, very much. So we'll see what <laughs> we'll see what twenty twenty one has to offer. Yes, in general, we'll see what the rest of season <laughs> five has to offer too. All right, so we're gonna head over to the boulevard. The boulevard. Um, where I guess you're talking about a couple movies. Yeah, I'll do some movie talk. Try and put this crazy year in a little bit of perspective. Um, then get ready for what's to come in the new one. Yeah. Okay. So, so you guys, thank you. Thanks for thanks for hanging with us throughout this crazy ass year, and um, we look forward to uh, seeing the new one in with you. Take care. Be good. We'll see you next year on the block. Bye. Bye.